Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now, here's your host for today's broadcast, Dwayne Sheriff. Hey everyone, welcome to Truth and Liberty. I'm your host today, Dwayne Sheriff, and I appreciate you tuning in and being a part of this live call-in show. I want to give you the phone number because we have another gift for you today, those that are on-air callers, and the phone number is 719-619-2341. 719-619-2341. We'd love to hear from you today. I enjoyed yesterday and I shared on levels of government in the Bible and levels, if you will, of authority. And I'm going to pick that back up, but I specifically want to cover the area of marriage again and the institution of marriage and our free book that we're going to give away to one of our on-air callers today is called Better Together better together. And this deals with the marriage relationship and specifically areas that are common in the breakdown of the institution of marriage. And so these, these truths came out of years of doing marriage seminars and counseling thousands literally of people. And so I, I cover these in the, in the way that they would be anchor lines that you need to secure in your marriage relationship. And this book we use for marriage premarital counseling. And uh, man, it is a blessing. It has a, a short workbook at the end of every chapter. And I'll go over some of those chapters here in a moment. But again, for one of our on the air callers today, we're going to be giving away better together. Let me go over a few announcements before we get into what God has planned for us today. Our upcoming events, and I'm excited about the Global Ministries or Ministers Conference. That's coming up just next week, October the 2nd through the 6th, right here at the Karis Bible College in Woodland Park. And this is for ministers and for leaders, and these are powerful. And I want to encourage you to pray about maybe sending your pastor. You can register at awmi.net for the Global Ministers Conference. It's free, but it costs to get here. And I'm telling you, one of the greatest gifts you could give your pastor is to give him and his spouse a trip to the Global Ministers Conference. He will be blessed. He will be edified. I promise you he'll come back a changed, a changed person. So that's October the 2nd through the 6th. The speakers are Andrew Walmack, Mike and Carrie Pickett, Bob Yandian. I, I paused a minute because I saw my name. I'm going to be there, hallelujah. Pastor Dwayne, Pastor Bob Nichols, Pastor Greg Moore, Wendell Parr, and Billy Epperhart. And uh, aside from me, these are awesome speakers. <laughs> Just kidding. I really believe God always gives me a word, and uh, I can't wait for the conference myself. I get blessed during the conference. So I believe that'll be a blessing. We have Women Arise Conference that's coming up in November the 2nd through the 4th. Women Arise 
this is a ladies' conference, November the 2nd through the 4th, and that's always a blessing to our, to our wives and to our lady, ladies. That too is held right here at the Karis Bible College in Woodland Park. That's November the 2nd through the 4th. The speakers will be Carrie Pickett, Audrey Mack, and I've heard her often, and she is a blessing. She's a little fireball, and you will be blessed. And then Elizabeth Murin, our very own Elizabeth Murin, that is over all of our productions that are just over the top. So that will be worth your time, ladies. So I want to encourage you to do that. Also want to encourage you to visit our libertyandtruth.net, libertyandtruth.net, for all the information that we're making available. And I believe in the future this is going to be very important and very powerful for your life. We all need information. We all need knowledge of what's going on to make righteous judgments and have discernment. And yet the media today is absolutely corrupt at large. And so it's hard to find sources for solid information. And right here at Truth and Liberty and the website, truthandliberty.net, we have a 24-hour news feed that's updated every 15 minutes. And you can go there and you can view past um, episodes of Truth and Liberty. And maybe there's something you've watched in the past and it really blessed you and helped you. And maybe you need to recommend it to a, to a neighbor or a friend or a coworker or a family member, things of that nature. And that'll be a blessing. You can also go and watch our Liberty, uh, Truth and Liberty Conference 20 or 2023, and you can, you can watch that on demand. So those are blessings that are available to you. All right, let me, let me pick up where I left off yesterday on levels of authority or levels of government. And it's so important, brothers and sisters, that we learn from a biblical perspective levels of authority. Every one of us have some form of authority and every one of us are under authority. And wow, today we see the abuse of authority at every level at an unprecedented rate in America. And this has to be reversed. And a part of the great awakening, I believe with all my heart, is God restoring back to the church an understanding of his government and levels of government and authority. And we all need to recognize bad authority. And, and I used to say everyone can recognize bad authority, but I've had to adjust that, that, that assessment because I meet people all the time that are not aware of the abuse of authority that's going on in our government today, that's going on in some of our churches, that goes on in some of our homes that's going on in our school systems. We just have a, a outbreak of the abuse of authority and God wants to restore things in proper order. So all I know is that I can't change anybody else, but I can change my own heart and I can get an understanding of abuse of authority that damages people and good authority that, that edifies people and builds people's lives, uh, helps spiritual growth. You, you have to understand authority in order to mature as a Christian, in order to develop. And so let me quickly go over four primary levels of authority 
and, and how we need to relate to those. And then I'm going to tie that in to, to the second level. Uh, the first level of authority is God's authority or God's government, Isaiah chapter 9. And Isaiah speaks of Jesus having a government and that the increase of his government will have no end. And then he talks about the kingdom. So God's kingdom is the first and highest level of government and authority. And we have to learn to submit to God's government in order for all other forms or kinds of government to stay pure. The second level of government and authority is family government. And God has ordained the home and there's order in the home. There's, there's authority and levels of authority even in the home. Then there's church government that you hear very little about. And there certainly can be abuse in church government, but we need to have good church government. We need to understand the authority that elders have and that leaders in the church have and that they not be abusive with that authority, but they be edifying with that authority. And then there's civil government, civil government. There's local, state, and federal. And Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 deal with that. So I want to go to a slide that I shared in yesterday's program. And I want to, to show you how these governments work. I'm, I'm going to use an upside down triangle. And at the top, which is the bottom of the triangle, but at the top then of the upside down triangle, I hope that's not too complicated, is the, the government of God, the kingdom of God, where Jesus is, is Lord. And you can see in the upside down triangle here that God is first and foremost, and that God has the greatest reach, as you look at this triangle, of government and authority. His, his government is over all other forms or kinds of government, all other forms or kinds of authority are delegated authority from God. God is the ultimate authority of the cosmos. Then you have family and family government. Then you have under family church government, then civil government. And under civil, you break it down into three different sections. And as you go down the triangle, notice that the degree of authority is, is diminishing. It goes from local authority that has more authority than state, but state has more than federal. And the founding fathers of our nation understood God's kind of government, understood limited uh, uh, government. They understood uh, what they called federalism, where the greatest amount of power needs, needs delegated to the states and to the local government, and the federal government should have the least power the least amount of authority. And yet because of perversion and because of people getting away from God, people rejecting the scriptures, people neglecting church and going to church to hear the word of God and about God's kingdom and God's order and God's structure in our lives, many people are, are, ignorant of all the abuse of authority that we see in our nation today. We, we see the federal government overreaching. We see a police state. We are literally living, brothers and sisters, in a police state. And I don't want to fire everybody up unnecessarily, but 
a part of the Great Awakening is us waking up. And, and we need to understand that if you could just separate your emotions from Donald Trump for a moment and let the Holy Spirit show you that we are living literally in a police state. We, we have been so corrupted and power has become so corrupted and those in power so corrupted that now the federal government is attacking citizens, persecuting citizens. They are trying to prosecute uh, political opponents, which is a part of a third world country. It's a part of communism and, and Marxism where, where those in power attack anyone challenging their power. And, and we see the, the confiscating of Donald Trump's assets. We see the attack on his family. We see these endless litigations where like in communism, you, you, show me, you show me the man, I'll find a crime in a free democracy and a representative republic. We're not a pure democracy. We're a re representative republic where law and order is, is the rule of the day. Uh, you, don't, you, don't, you don't persecute political opponents. You don't prosecute political opponents. And in some of these worlds, they execute. Communism will execute anyone who dissents, anyone who disagrees, anyone who won't drink the Kool-Aid. And that's the path we're on because we've gotten away from God. Once you get away from God, you will be corrupted with power or I prefer to say power will reveal your corruption. And that's what we're we're experiencing at every level. Let me show you the triangle now. When you, when you remove God at the top of the triangle, when the federal government takes the place of God, everything is turned upside down, everything is perverted, and then now you see the abuse of authority. You have the federal government taking the place of God. Then you have state government and local government or civil government and, and the church and the family are, are right at the bottom. And that's when you see eventually the church has to go underground like in communist countries today. And the family is dis disregarded and destroyed. So you create a dependency upon the federal government who takes the place of God. And notice in the, in the perverted triangle, God's on the outside. God's on the outside looking in. That's when everything unravels. That's when everything collapses. Now, what I want to do, and, and I, I will be a host here for a while, I hope, and I know the other hosts are committed, that we're coming into an election cycle, and we need truth, and we need liberty. When, when God is first place, when the family takes the preeminence, and all civilized societies major on family. It is the, the basic nuclear part of civilized society is the nuclear family. And when that gets put back in its proper perspective and then church finds its proper role in, in speaking into all these other levels of authority, then your civil government comes into place. That is what facilitates freedom. My first triangle, upside down triangle, facilitates freedom. That's how freedom works is when we all submit to God. When all of us who have authority 
come under God's authority, now we're not abusive. Now we're humble. Now we're merciful. Now we're compassionate. Now we consider ourselves when we exercise authority, knowing we're under God's authority and we'll be held accountable for our authority, we don't abuse it. But then that second triangle upside down, when you take God out of the equation and you, you reverse everything, now you have tyranny. And that's the path we're on, brothers and sisters. It's real. This is not a conspiracy theory that Marxism is, is ruling the day and it has to be exposed. Socialism is just the first major step to communism and, and communism is the, the rejection of God. Communism and in communism, those in authority become God and they become tyrants, despots and they manipulate and they control. And again, they persecute anyone who disagrees with them. They prosecute anyone who disagrees with them. And in time, according to the Bible and according to history, they execute anyone that disagrees with them. And again, if you think I'm a conspiracy nut, you're just not paying attention. Because I even shared yesterday that in Canada, the state tried to take away a child from its parent. And this father stood up against the school board, against that local school and the counselors who, who polluted his child's mind with this transgenderism confusion. And, and he wound up going to jail because they, the state, deemed him not affirming his child's Identity confusion was considered child abuse. That's happened just north of us. There are states that are trying to pass laws that if parents do not affirm transgender confusion and euphoria, then that's considered child abuse. And the state will take away your child in the name of affirming their identity confusion. This is madness. This is the result of kicking God out of our schools, kicking God and the Bible out of our schools, out of our government. Saints, I don't know what the confusion is on us engaging in our culture is all about because once we are removed, then everything near and dear to God gets diluted and polluted. It gets perverted. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the absence of God, which is the absence of light, creates a vacuum now for darkness. And man without God, us without God are corrupt. We're sinners by nature and, and, and gravitate toward evil. That's why we've got to start to vote different. We've got to elect people locally and on a state level and on a federal level that have a conscience, that know there's a God, and that are willing to come under God's authority, or they're going to be corrupt. And brothers and sisters, I, I love you, but I, I just do not understand a Christian voting for someone who hates God, voting for someone who will not submit to God, voting for someone that wants to eliminate life in the womb, voting for someone that doesn't know what a woman is, voting for someone 
that wants to take your children away from you if you do not bow your knee to the almighty federal government. And there's just a point where we have to lovingly push back. There's a point where we've got to be a people of conscience and get back to the simplicity of the Word of God. Well, that's what my book, Better Together, is all about, is the family government, family structure, how to build a, a healthy marriage, a, a healthy family. Let me encourage parents that are watching. Let me encourage grandparents that are watching. We need to get this information. If not my book, find someone who's teaching on what a marriage is. Find some material on how to have a happy marriage, how to build a functional home. Our churches are made up of families. And so healthy, happy, functional churches are filled with healthy, happy, functional families. And God is the one that created marriage. How could any Christian be confused? The simplicity of the authority of Scripture should dominate your view of your world and life. And Moses made it clear. The greatest authority in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 2 and in Genesis chapter 1 talked about how God created us male and female and that that was for the purpose of marriage. God created marriage. Before I run out of my, my time for this segment, I want to give you four quick things in regards to marriage, family government, and the authority. I don't want to get off here. I'm about to get fired up. But you, brothers and sisters, are responsible for your kids, not the school boards. You are responsible and accountable before God for the training of your children, for the teaching of your children in the biblical principles of God's authority, of God's kingdom, of God's government. They do not have the authority to indoctrinate your children and manipulate your children and encourage you to mutilate and let them mutilate their bodies on their gender assignment. Moses made it clear in Genesis chapter 1 that God created us in His own image and in His own likeness. Male and female created He Him or them, and He even called their name Adam. God created us, male and female. And I've actually heard pastors say that the Bible hasn't addressed this. It's amazing. In Mark chapter 10, man, I don't know if they can put that up on the fly for me, but in Mark chapter 10, Jesus is dealing with marriage and answering a question to Israel thousands of years after Moses wrote, God created us male and female. And Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, let me go ahead and look this up. Mark chapter 10, again, he's dealing with divorce and remarriage. And I just need to jump down when they ask about divorce. Jesus said in verse 3, what did Moses say? in the law about divorce. Well, he permitted, they replied, and, and said, a man can, can give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away. But Jesus responded. Now, this is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus speaking in verse 5. He wrote this commandment only as a concession to your hard hearts. Why do people get divorces? Because of their hard hearts. He goes on to say, but God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. 
This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and they two are united into one, since they're no longer two but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. Jesus said God is the author of our gender assignment. Now, how can a Christian allow someone else to be a greater authority, a higher authority, to declare our gender assignment? No one has a higher authority than God, and God, Jesus Himself, who was God, made flesh, said God is the author of our gender assignment. And then He says, why did God create us male and female? For the institution of marriage. God created male and female for marriage. There's no such thing as a marriage outside of male and female in the eyes of in the eyes of God. And Moses said that, and Jesus said that. Yeah, but psychologists say. Yeah, but the Supreme Court says. Yeah, but the school district says. Yeah, but backslidden preachers say. Yeah, but politicians say. Brothers and sisters, we can come up with, with a thousand and one different others say. When are we, the church, going to be loyal to Jesus and say, what did Jesus say? What does the Scripture say? Maybe I need to be one of the ones that said, you've heard it said, but I say unto you, God said your gender assignment came from Him. And there's a lot of people probably watching or have just quit watching that are offended by that and yet have no idea the love of God in my heart and the love God has for people because if you don't know your gender assignment, your life is on a path of destruction. If you don't know what a woman is, your, path is on the, 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 your life is on the path of destruction. If you don't know what a marriage is, how are you going to build one? How are you going to develop one? How are you going to have a happy one? You need to know what one is, and God's the one that created. Four things. Marriage came before government, Israel or the church. God created marriage before He created government, before He created Israel. His sanctified nation, He created marriage. He created marriage before the church. The church did not invent this. Man did not invent this. God invented the institution of marriage, and God and only God has the manuscript, has the manual. For a good marriage, and for us to have a good marriage, we have to come under God's authority as the Creator. Marriage, now listen to this, this is awesome. Marriage was as much a part of creation as the cosmos was. God created the universes, God created the stars, God created the land, God created and separated the land from the water, God created the firmament, God created the, the atmospheric heaven. The, the outer space heaven and, and heaven where, where God and now the saints live. God created those three heavens. God created the animals. God created the flowers. God created man. And listen, God created marriage. Marriage is as much a part of creation and nature and nature's God as the animals. And so we've got to get back to what God has to say about marriage and what God has ordained a marriage to be. And our young people are hurting, brothers and sisters, because of the silence of parents, the silence of the church, and then the government taking our place and perverting 
all the things that are near and dear to God. God created marriage before sin ever entered the world. That's why it's called holy matrimony. Holy matrimony. And the last one is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32, that marriage is a great mystery, but God is speaking about Christ and the church. The reason I defend marriage from a biblical worldview is marriage and a husband in marriage is a type of Christ and a wife in marriage is a type of the church. So to pervert marriage is to pervert the gospel. To attack the institution of marriage is to attack God and, and this type and shadow, this great mystery. Man, that went by so fast. I didn't even have a chance to get into my book. I'm going to take a 90 second break and be taking your calls. And then I'm going to talk about building a healthy marriage from better together. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom, and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. We teach biblical worldview. We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're gonna learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills, and field study. There's no better place on earth to get equipped than Karis. You know, God's not done with us. He's not done with America, and He's not done with you. So many people come into practical government school and they're scared because it's the mountain of government. But you know what? They come out so strong and that is so amazing. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to Truth and Liberty. I'm Dwayne Sheriff and I'm your host today. And I'm discussing levels of government or levels of authority within these different levels of, a govern of government. And I believe a part of what God is doing is He's restoring godly authority and the proper use of authority. And the home is one of those places where in the past there's been abuse within the home and the authority of the home. And so I wrote a book that came out of marriage seminars that I did for, for three decades and, and counseling with thousands of people called Better Together. And I deal with the areas of marital breakdown and how to shore up certain principles of marriage in, in the marriage to, to not be just married, but to be happily married. God wants us happily married. He wants us all to have healthy marriages. And let me say something to you in regards to parenting or being a grandparent, one of the greatest gifts you can give your children is modeling marriage for them, modeling this great mystery of Christ and the church. And uh, one of the biggest honors in my life in this book was my three of my four children. One of my children is very, very private. 
and uh, I didn't mandate that he do a forward, but my children actually volunteered to do the forward of the book on Better Together. And, and I believe the forward in these will bless you as testimonies from my children. So what are the areas of marital breakdown that we all need to be working on and that we need to teach our children? And now many of your grandparents that are watching and uh, you need to be mindful of these things and coaching your grandchildren in what is marriage and how to build a, a healthy marriage. So one of the six, and there's six in this book that I just highlight. And the seventh one in building a healthy marriage is just child training, raising our children, the difference between training our children and teaching our children and, and how to lovingly invoke discipline. And so I've got a whole book actually two books coming out on that in the near future. And I, I didn't put it in this book because it just, it was so much. And so uh, one of the chapters is on security and trust. If you're going to have a healthy marriage, you're going to have to have security and trust. And I teach you in here, how do you build security and, and develop trust in your marriage? Uh, the second chapter is on communication, which is my favorite because, uh, man, communication is a lost art, even within the church. And God has given us principles of communication, believe it or not, and how to communicate effectively. We need to learn to communicate in our marriages effectively, and we need to learn to communicate with our children. Well, I'll come back to this in a minute. I'd like to take a couple of questions here real quick and uh, take some phone calls. Uh, the first one that I didn't get to yesterday that came in was, does the parable of the wheat and tares mean we shouldn't weed out the ungodly and let God sort it out? It's a great question. That's why I wanted to come back to it today. Um, we are not to weed out anybody. Uh, God is the judge of the world. And uh, we're not here to pass judgment on the world, people who don't know the Lord, people that are living lives contrary to the Word of God. Um, we are to judge within. The church has the authority given and delegated by God to judge within and to deal with sin within and, and, and things that are awry within our hearts and lives in the church. But we do that again with much mercy and compassion, considering ourselves lest we fall. Uh, God is the one that will separate the tares from the wheat in the day of judgment. Uh, and, and, and we're not responsible for that. However, we are responsible for pointing out uh, that is ungodly. Uh, God is the judge of the ungodly, but he's called us to be the light of the truth. And so we're to point out, uh, I, I, I labor not to make anything personal with any, any people or persons that are in sin or rebellion to God, but we have to, we have to point out ungodliness. We have to point it out in our own hearts and lives and then in our midst and repent of it and turn to the Lord. So we do need to be careful how we relate to lost people. Um, we need to have a spirit of meekness constantly. and We need to let our speech always be with grace, then season with salt, salt meaning the Word of God. We, we need to have a basic knowledge of God's Word and share even with lost people truth that are open, but we have to do it in the spirit of meekness and grace, uh, kindness, things of that nature. So I wanted to deal with that. Let's go to the phone, our first caller 
that uh, we're going to put in the, the hopper to get this book for free. All of our on-the-air callers, one will be selected, and we'll send this to them as quick as possible, absolutely free. So we've got, we've got Mary. Mary, I think you called in yesterday. Thank you for calling back from Georgia. Uh, what, is your, what is your question, Mary? Bible say, which is God's word, say that we must love each other. Amen. So, loving each other, I believe, is a lot of things, but telling them about God's word is loving each other because what you know about the truth will make you free. Amen. Well, why do people get offended when you yeah. tell the truth about God's word? And yeah. That's a great question, uh, and I know there's many watching. So thank you for the question, Mary, because uh, we do see people offended constantly uh, by the truth, and there's many reasons for that. We can't cover them all. We will run out of time. Uh, I've got an entire series that you can download absolutely free uh, in regards to offense and people taking Offense. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, I believe it's around verse 6, blessed is he that's not offended in me. Uh, uh, did I get that right? Yeah, Matthew 11. And blessed is he who not, is not offended because of me, uh, the New King James Bible says. So people do get offended at God. Uh, before we got saved, Mary, I'm, I'm certain that there were things about the truth that offended us because we're in opposition to the truth. Anyone who rebels against the truth uh, will be offended by the truth. Uh, even grace offends people in the church. And the Bible talks about how grace is offensive to the legalist, to those who are bound by law and, and, and rooted and grounded in the law. Grace actually offends them. So there's just numerous reasons why people get offended. But let me just say this before we move on, Mary. Uh, it's important on how we speak the truth to minimize offense. Um, I don't want to offend anyone after my flesh. Uh, but when I speak the truth in love and the truth offends someone, I'm not responsible for that. That's, that's between them and God. But if I am rude, or I mishandle the truth, or I'm in the flesh, uh, rendering evil for evil, um, if someone is angry at me and attacks me, and I simply attack back in anger, even with the truth, I'm out of order. Uh, that, that facilitates offense unnecessarily. Um, and so we must speak the truth, yes, but we must speak it in love. And a lot of people get confused when you say that. But if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, there are 16 attributes of, of love, character traits that, that define love, God's kind of love. And so when you, when you share things in the context of 1 Corinthians 13, you're speaking the truth in love. Uh, and, and some will still be offended. Uh, and we have to leave those people to God. Um, Man, I just don't argue with people. I don't debate people. Um, if someone is offended and tries to, to come back with that offense, um, I, have to, I have to let that go and love that person and just move on. 
and part of the decay of our marriages is, is offense. People not knowing how to stay free from offense. Uh, Psalms 119, 165 says, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So as Christians, we need to guard our hearts against offense in our marriages, in our churches, in our careers, because it's a deadly thing. So thank you for calling, Mary. I, I appreciate it. We're going to put your name uh, in the hopper for a free copy of Better Together. All right. One of our questions submitted is, how can we love people like Christ when they are living against God's will in their identity and sexuality? Wow. Another great question submitted. Um, we, we need to love people uh, based on them being a part of creation and God's image. All men are created men, when I say men, I mean male and female, are created in the image and in the likeness of God. I'm not saying everybody's going to heaven. I'm not saying everyone is a child of God. That comes through faith in Jesus Christ. But I am saying we all came from God and even people confused in their identity, confused in their sexuality, they, they deserve human dignity and love and compassion. Where, where I differ with the woke church is they interpret love with, with people confused in their identity or sexuality as acceptance, that I have to accept their lifestyle, that I have to accept as normal homosexuality, lesbianism, um, all these perversions. Uh, bestiality is not normal and I'll never accept it. But if someone's caught up in that kind of perversion, I, perversion, I would love them. I would be compassionate to them. My heart would actually go out to them. I've, I've known of people that even participated in bestiality, um, pedophilia, all these things. Uh, we love people, but love doesn't mean accept. Uh, love means that we would speak the truth and warn them of the path they're on, et cetera, et cetera. So we have to minister the truth to them in love. We accept them in their humanity but we don't have to accept their lifestyle or condone it or celebrate it. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's us lovingly opposing them that gives them hope to get out of it. One of the reasons so many people are ensnared today by sexual perversion and, and, and even marriages collapsing is the church being silent in these in these in these arenas and in these areas. And so we need to speak the truth in love. That's how we minister to those who, who are failing and falling. And I don't like to separate it. How do we minister to anybody in sin? How do we minister to anyone who, who is, is participating in any form or kind of darkness? And so uh, I hope that, that answered that question. I prefer you call where we can interact a little bit. Uh, but we have another one here. Uh, have you heard about the new documentary film on the police state by Dinesh, I can't say his last name right, in theaters, uh, October the 23rd through the 25th? Absolutely, I've heard about it. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I don't know that I'll have time to see it. Uh, but if you're watching and you ask that question, uh, 
Dinesh D'Souza, I hope I said that right, he's done an excellent job of exposing um, corruption in our politics uh, and now the police state. We, we better wake up or what's happening to Trump is going to happen to all of us. All you businessmen that are anti-Trump, <laughs> you're sitting there going, get him, get him, get him. And you have no idea that the day you disagree with the police state, they're going to come after your business. They're going to come after your assets. That's what communists do. Uh, they're going to they're going to persecute you when you disagree with their with their wokeness at some level, and everybody does eventually. They're going to prosecute you, looking for a crime, uh, because that's what communists do. And eventually, we will see people killed. People will be executed uh, by the police state because that's what the police state ultimately does, as the corruption just eats them alive. And so, man, I hope everybody gets to see this film on the police state. I really believe it's going to help a lot of people. All right, how do we have how do we evangelize someone who doesn't believe in God or the Bible? Well, uh, the simplicity of that is the Holy Spirit, and and yielding to the Holy Spirit. Uh, you, you could use the Bible, whether they believe it or not, and you must use the Bible, whether they believe it or not. But remember, we're not using the letter of the Word that kills to lead somebody to the Lord anyway. You need to let the Bible be so integrated into your heart that your evangelism is just you being an epistle read and known of all men that the Word of God is so alive in you that your testimony of your love for Jesus, your testimony and passion for Jesus is a, a witness. So I hope that helps uh, in, in, the, in, in our witness. Um, does the increase in natural disasters indicate that we are in the end times? I'm not sure how to answer that totally um, because uh, the earth is groaning, Romans chapter 8, and it is travailing because of sin. And as, as corporate sin increases, it does affect the planet uh, because the earth itself is, is groaning, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Uh, that happens at the appearing of Jesus and his kingdom uh, when the curse of the fall is taken off of the of the earth uh, and, and, and God redeems the planet through Jesus Christ, creation, all of creation. And that's when there's a new heaven and a new earth where nothing but righteousness reigns. So it's very possible that the increase of sin globally in, in rebellion to God is affecting natural things. Um, but that's as best I can give the answer on that. You need to call uh, I don't know who submitted this question, but you need to call um, some of our other hosts that are just really, really good at that, at that, and in that area. I got just a few minutes in this seg segment, so let's let's talk about again the breakdown of the home and the structure of the home and how God wants to restore the home and build healthy marriages, uh, restore fathers and fatherhood and masculinity restore mothers and, and, and what feminine really looks like. And one of the chapters I deal with is communication. 
how that we need to learn to communicate better. Uh, I, I have seen, and it's been so uh, concerning in my heart at how even Christian husband and wives do not communicate well. There are simple principles that help you in communication. And they'll not only help you in marriage, they will help you in every area of life. We have to be better communicators, communicators of the gospel, communicators of truth, like we've heard from some of the comments and questions that have come in. And so this chapter on communication is powerful. And I, I know that when I teach this, it's amazing how I'll start to talk about, okay, in effective communication, it involves at least four elements. And the first one is talking. And people always laugh, like, well, duh, talking, but you'd be shocked at how few people talk. Now, there are people that holler. There are people that scream. There are people that argue. There are people that debate. There are people that attack. But that's not talking, as God has ordained that we talk, that we share our hearts and we communicate what position we're coming from with a spirit of meekness again and compassion and love. And so we all have to learn to talk better. Uh, social media has corrupted even people in the church. And uh, man, I don't even really go on social media. I use social media for my ministry. Uh, I post a few things, but the, the arguing, the strife, the division, uh, the corruption that's on social media, you have to be very careful uh, how much you spend time on Facebook and you really need to get your face in the book. Uh, the Bible and learn how to talk to one another. This is something that is happening to our young people that is destroying their lives. Uh, they're so connected to social media, they don't know how to talk. They don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to look people in the eye. They don't know how to articulate. They don't have self-awareness in communication because of social media. We're going to see some, some terrible things begin to manifest in our young people that are dysfunctional in communication because of social media. Everybody thinks, well, man, we're connected better than ever before. <laughs> Amen. Not really. We're separated like never before because of social media. And so you have to learn to talk. The second element of effective communication that I cover in the book is listening. Listening. We, be, we need to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to wrath which destroys effective communication, James said. And so we need to learn to listen, and that's a lost art. And so that's, a, that's an ingredient. And the main thing that changed my life in communication at every level that's going to deal with all this corruption that's all around us is feedback. You have to have feedback, what was said, what was heard, and what was meant. And then the last one in that chapter is on honesty. People just aren't honest today. Amen. There are two kinds of lies. There's a lie by deception that you plan it, you purposefully commit fraud and deception. Usually it's to, to cover for yourself because you're afraid of consequences that the truth may bring, or it's to promote yourself. Why do people lie? They lie to cover up mistakes, to promote themselves, protect themselves, and, 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 and they lie again, to, to protect themselves from all these consequences of what's happened in their life. But, 
most Christians, there's some, you've not been lied to till a Christian lies to you. Boy, <laughs> those hurt worse than the world lying. And so the other kind of lie is by default. We're just dishonest because we don't want to be misjudged. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And uh, man, I had, to, I had to get some help from the Lord on this early in my marriage and to build a happy marriage. I had, to, I had to learn to tell the truth, to speak the truth, not be rude or mean with the truth, but even in marriage, speak the truth in love. And it's helped me be a better communicator to this day in the church culture, in uh, the world, and, and on and on I could go. Let's go back to some of the questions. I'm, I'm wanting to receive any of your calls. We encourage you to call in. Um, here's another question that's been submitted. Do we need to be healed in our soul before we receive healing in our body? Well, that's a good question. Third uh, John, Third John two says, "Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers." That's Third John two. Uh, you can see that on the screen. And, and I'm going to quote that again and, and look at it carefully. Beloved, that's Christians. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So healing of our marriages, healing in our other relationships, healing in our bodies, healing in the workplace, healing within our families, Again, healing within the marriage relationship, all of those things are connected to the prosperity of your soul, brothers and sisters. And so you do need to be renewed in your mind to what God's Word says in order to be transformed and walk in the light of all God's promises. This is what mixing faith with the Word of God means. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, they, they did not profit. The Word spoken to them did not profit, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. A part of mixing faith with the Word of God is planting the Word of God in your heart as a seed. All right, let's go back to, to our phones, and I appreciate AJ calling, a subscriber from Colorado. Uh, what is your question, AJ? Hey, Pastor Dwayne. I was Hi. wondering, do young people want to accept the marriage commitment and responsibilities? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you, AJ, because uh, that's a crisis that we're experiencing in the culture is young people not seeing the need for marriage. And there's a lot of things that contribute to that. Uh, again, we, the church, have failed to minister the power and beauty of marriage, to teach a generation how good marriage is, how marriage is honorable in all. Hebrews 13, 4 says, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but it's whoremongers and adulterers that God will judge. There's the beauty of our sexuality within the institution of marriage and the covenant of marriage. Then there's our sexuality outside that covenant that creates issues and major problems in our soul and in our bodies. So young people have not heard the truth from the church at large because the church has been afraid for the past two decades, it seems like, to minister on marriage. 
because it's so controversial. If you, marry, if, you, if you minister from the pulpit on marriage to a generation, you've got to deal with what a marriage is. It's a covenant, not a contract. It's a covenant before God, uh, family and friends, uh, not a contract. Uh, it's not living together under the same roof. And so a lot of young people really just don't know the truth about marriage. Others have seen and experienced in their families the breakdown of marriage and because of the pain that divorce creates and because of the pain of, of what they've experienced in their own families, they, they think that marriage is an outdated institution that we just don't need anymore and why create the pain of a divorce? <laughs> it's just how they think. Uh, and I've dealt with so many of them uh, in the love of God, encouraging them of the power and beauty of marriage. Again, another contributing factor to young people not committing to marriage in this generation is, again, when they look around, they just see the divorce rate. They see people unhappily married. And so they've just come to some, some erroneous conclusions about marriage based on their experience, based on the culture. And so it's a church's responsibility to turn that around. And the only way we can turn that around is by improving our marriages and modeling it, uh, teaching it in our churches, uh, doing home groups. One of the reasons I did better together uh, was for home, home groups and, and small groups where young people can be taught what is a marriage. How do you have a healthy one? How do you build a strong marriage? So that's a part of what this book is all about. So I'm praying for this generation that there would be the recovery of marriage, uh, the, the beauty of the institution God created marriage. And you could just see it in our churches. There seems to be no interest, no concern. Many people are just ignoring the institution now. God wants to restore that back. Well, I'll be back in 90 seconds with your calls. Thanks for staying with us. You were created with a purpose, written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Have you been praying about how to make your business your mission field? GospelTruth.tv Business features leadership and financial stewardship training from industry experts. Learn the next steps to building wealth and using it to grow God's kingdom. Tune in Saturdays to GospelTruth.tv Business and watch anytime with GospelTruth.tv Premium. Visit GospelTruth.tv today for biblical teaching you can trust. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm your host, Dwayne Sheriff. This is Truth and Liberty. 
And that is our heart's cry for every person watching. And we, we pray that we continue to have an impact in your life with the truth and how that knowing the truth, Jesus said, if you'd continue in his word, you'd know the truth and the truth would make you free and liberty. Galatians chapter five, verse one says, it is for liberty that Christ is came, that Christ came, has come and has set us free. Knowing the truth will set you free. And so I'm sharing out of my book called Better Together, Better Together. We're offering to all of our on-air callers a free copy uh, of Better Together. And uh, I'm just going through some of the things that are important to your marriage. Uh, and I need to go back to the phone lines for a moment. Uh, AJ from Colorado had a great question in regards to our young people today. And this book is designed specifically to get it in the hands of, of, of young couples, young people before they get engaged, your children, your grandchildren. This is a powerful tool to help prepare them for the marriage altar. And that's what parents are supposed to be doing. Um, I have a, a, a new book coming out shortly uh, on preparing your children for the marriage altar. We're just not teaching children any longer. A whole generation has been lost and we got to get back to the Word of God. So let's go back to AJ real quick. I think he had a follow-up question before the break. Are you still there, AJ? Okay, we lost AJ. Uh, maybe he'll call back. Uh, we've got Michael on the line uh, from Maryland. Uh, thank you so much for calling, Michael. Uh, what is your question? Uh, hello, um, Pastor Dwayne. Um, I'm, I'm calling with maybe an off-the-wall, off-subject question. It's about what's going on in Jerusalem right now, or shall I say Israel. Because a few days ago, um, they celebrated the highest holy day of Yom Kippur. Uh -huh. And um, this was the first time the homosexuals just overran the ceremony in Israel. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, know, I didn't know that. And, you know, I, had, I hadn't heard that. Yeah. But, you see, I, I don't think of you as a prophet. I think of you as an excellent minister. <laughs> so, well, that, that's, that's fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, when, when something like that happens in Israel, and, right. and um, oh, yeah, and the court, the court also told the um, Jewish, I mean, Hasidic hierarchy, because those are the ones that love doing um, the Book of Moses. Everything the Book of Moses says, let's do it. You know, this is our Judo-Christian way of life. And now the government is telling them, you can't get any permits to do anything you want in the city streets because of the ruckus. You're, you're forbidding um, uh, other people to participate in Yom Kippur, regardless of their identity. And I'm saying to myself, is the Lord coming back soon or what? Yeah, well, <laughs> the Lord, I believe, is coming back soon. 
uh, and though as you have eloquently stated, I may not be a prophet, but I, I know the signs of the times and uh, I see the, the rise of the spirit of antichrist. I see evil celebrated uh, throughout the world in ways you just described. I am simply not familiar at all with what happened. I'm surprised I haven't heard something about that, but we have been warning the church in the issue of embracing this movement of the LGBTQA plus uh, for, for years uh, and, and, and how evil it really is and how it just is going to try to take over every institution and mandate acceptance, mandate celebration, uh, mandate uh, approval, uh, and on and on it goes. There's no end to what we might see in the streets because that's the nature of evil. And so thank you for your, for your call, Michael. I really appreciate it very much. And I'll, I'll check out some of the things that you, you brought to my attention. You might want to consider calling back uh, for some of the other hosts for Truth and Liberty. They may have some insights that might be beneficial. Thank you though for, for calling. Let's go back to AJ uh, from Colorado who asked some questions about our young people and their, their view of marriage. And so thank you for calling back, AJ. Uh, what's your follow-up question? Thank you, Pastor Ian, for taking it. I was wondering, because uh, the church used to have those pre-written vows, you know, richer, poorer, sickness, and in health. Do you think those stand up to uh, a godly marriage and something that the young kids would consider committing to? Because now people write their own vows. Oh, I vow to love you forever, but they just <laughs> the emotional love. That's right. Yeah, I really appreciate the follow-up. Uh, um, I, I, I may not, I may not have everybody agree with this. <laughs> this may create some controversy. I'm not trying to, uh, but a, a lot of people rejected the traditional vows, and when that movement happened, uh, Sue and I were actually a part of that movement of the word and faith and, and the power of confession. And I remember people saying that those vows, well, that's a negative confession. I'm not confessing that. And now today it is morphed into what you just said that is amazing. People just write their own vows and there's no commitment really whatsoever in the vows. All the traditional vows were saying is that, that we're committed in the good, we're committed in the bad. Uh, I'm committed to Sue. When I made a covenant to Sue, it was for better or worse. Uh, I'm not committed to Sue today because things are better because they could, they could go worse tomorrow, uh, depending on a lot of factors. Uh, and I would still love her and be committed, uh, in sickness and in health is just saying I'm committed, uh, not based on my, uh, again, health, but based on my vows before God, based on my character, uh, based on my commitment and my understanding of covenant, those vows basically simply embraced the idea of covenant, uh, of commitment unto death. Because uh, in those vows, it says literally, till death do us part. I'm saying, and we're saying in the vows, we're committed regardless. And so I, I, I hope that helps. Uh, I prefer 
the traditional, <laughs> the traditional vows, at least the principles of them, of covenant to be in the marriage ceremony. Thanks again for calling back, AJ. All right, let's go to our phone lines again. And uh, Frank uh, from Missouri, I'm getting to know him. I appreciate him calling in. He's always a blessing. Uh, thanks for calling, Frank. Uh, what's your question today? Did I lose you, Frank? Hello? Frank, I, I, I guess I'm losing you. Um, I believe your question, Frank, I don't know if you can hear me, but uh, you asked, should Congress allow the government to shut down? <laughs> uh, boy, I, don't, I can't believe the phones aren't melting down with some of these comments I'm making. But the uh, best thing that can happen for us for a while is the government shut down. If we don't say no soon to this out of control spending, then shutting the government down is going to be a moot point. We cannot continue on the path we are on. It is not sustainable. I don't know what, again, is wrong with everybody. Did you know if you did in your personal life what the government's doing, you'd go to jail? If you did in your corporate life, if your business did what the government's doing, operate in trillions of dollars of deficits, money we can't pay back. If you did that personally or your company did that, you would go to jail. And yet the government has a get out of jail free card that can spend money we don't have, and, and it's overbloated, it's, it's, it's overreaching. We are absolutely financing corruption. We need to, to stop the spending. And if shutting the government down now would bring fiscal responsibility and accountability, it may save us from a collapse. If we don't do something soon, we won't have to do anything. Everything's going to collapse. Your money's going to be worthless. It's going to take a wheelbarrow of money to buy a loaf of bread because of inflation, because the more we print money, the more we borrow money that's going to chase now goods and services. That's what creates the inflation. And the inflation is going to continue to rise as long as we keep printing money we don't have spending money we don't have and not saying no. And I don't know what it's going to take. Uh, the Republicans uh, simply are unable, I guess, to make a stand. They're, half of them at least are afraid and they're, they're not really Republicans anyway. They're Democrats in disguise. Uh, there are no Republican Democrats. I'm talking about in authority. I'm talking about in Washington, D.C. The Democrats are Democrats. There's no hidden Republicans in the Democratic Party anymore. But the Republican Party is filled with Democrats. And so you can't count on the Republican Party. But we have to keep our hope up and do our civil duty. And if we would do our duty and civil duty locally and begin to, to empower people that have a conscience, that understand budgeting, that understand no, we don't have it, and are willing to make a stand, then we would see state government change. Then we would see eventually federal government change. 
And I know of people personally up at, in the federal government that are making a stand. They're fighting the best they can, but we need to pray for them. The media hates them. The media attacks them. The media lies on them. The Democrats at large in authority uh, falsely accuse them. They're under pressure constantly. The Republicans within the Republican Party shame those that are real Republicans and are an opposition party. We need an opposition party. We need to oppose all this evil, all this corruption, all this spending. Saints, we're out of control. We need a, a, an awakening. I, I, I don't want a collapse to wake us up. I guarantee if everything collapses, people are going to wake up. They won't vote for people anymore that'll spend money we don't have. They, don't, they won't vote. It's, it's evidently not bad enough for people to wake up. But there's a point where illegal immigration is going to bankrupt us and bring cities down. Sanctuary cities are repenting uh, because of the influx of, of illegal immigration and the demand it's putting on the budgets of these cities. So far, our states can't print money, so they have limited funds. And there's only so much free stuff we can give out on a state level. There has to be change. I don't know what all the answers are, but I know a few of them. We got to quit voting for people that want to spend other people's money with no accountability, no, no, no limit. Uh, lots of things could happen. I've written about this in other books, and I just believe God is going to wake people up, and we're going to quit voting for people that hate God, hate the country. There are people trying to destroy it right under our nose with illegal immigration that is, 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 is absolutely bankrupting our states with out of control spending and borrowing and printing. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take to bring us together, but something's going to happen. Either some supernatural intervention of God or unfortunately the law of sowing and reaping for the few Christians evidently that are out there, we understand the law of sowing and reaping, and you can't sow to your flesh like we're sowing to our flesh and not reap corruption. It's impossible. You can be deceived, but God will not be mocked. We have to repent of this. So I vote shut the government down for a season to wake everybody up and to make some, some cuts that are deeply needed. All right, let's go to Celeste from Indiana. Uh, thank you for calling, Celeste. What's your question today? Uh, yeah, sorry, I had called yesterday, but um, okay, I was just I was just calling because I was curious if you're around like a lot of people that sin, which usually we are in this life, but um, just something you can't get out of. You feel entangled in it like a web, and you feel like you need to just pack all your stuff up, go to a forest, and just <laughs> don't have any money for that. Yeah. Well, I, I love you, Celeste, <laughs> and I feel your pain. Uh, you forced me in authenticity and in trying to be honest. Uh, I remember when I began to have children and, and I thought, man, do we just need to become Amish? Do we, do we need to, to, to separate and in the separation isolate? And, and I sincerely sought the Lord. I was so discouraged with the evil coming at my children on every front. And the Lord did encourage me in the difference between isolation and separation. We are not here to isolate. 
we are in a fallen world. We're still in a falling, fallen body. So I may need you to follow up as I answer this with a, a greater explanation, but I certainly am around people who sin constantly. I fall short uh, in numerous ways because of my flesh, my carnal and renewed mind. So I have to be merciful to myself and compassionate, uh, but repentive. And, and I have to encourage those around me in evil to repent, to change your mind, change your direction because God loves you and has a great plan for your life. So uh, we definitely have evil all around us. It, it can be overwhelming. I'm so honored to host on Truth and Liberty. Um, I'm probably not the best, the best host in the sense of all the current events and politics and the news because Celeste, I, I have to separate myself. I can only take so much and it starts to affect my heart. Uh, and so I know what that breaking point is. And so I separate from evil. I can't isolate. I'm called to be the salt of the earth, not my family and church, the salt of the earth, the light of the world, not just light to my family, not just light in my church, but the light of the world. So God will reward us. I've processed this in my own personal life. I've, I've really not taught a lot on it, but great will be our rewards for any Christian suffering. This is called Christian suffering, that people are doing things that are not only hurting themselves, but it's hurting us. It's hurting our communities. It hurts our children. What they're trying to do to our children, if I meditate on it too long, uh, I can get in the flesh. Uh, and, and, and anger and the wrath of man will never work the righteousness of God. So I have to back up. But when you talk about taking a child and perverting their minds and, and taking them away from their parents and transgendering them for your selfish gain to prove a point, to have a trophy, to ruin their lives for your cause, man, that's evil. And, uh, I have to pray for those people and then ask God to help me. So I'm not sure I really answered your question. So can you, can you follow up with me, Celeste, and help me here? Uh, yeah. I mean, the transgender part, I, like, I wasn't too sure of, but I know that relates to many people out there. But uh, personally, for me, I just am obviously surrounded by a lot of evil. And, you know, to be honest, I've allowed myself to uh, open up obviously to bad things because I've drank alcohol in the past. I've, um, you know, well, let, let go ahead. No, you're I, fine. I, I, I'm just uh, encouraged with your honesty. Uh, and so now on a personal level, uh, any of us can be tempted. Any of us can be ensnared. How many, how many national known ministers have fallen to, to alcohol, fallen to sexual perversion, fallen to, to temptation of all kinds. So one of the reasons we have to be merciful to people and compassionate is the book of Galatians chapter six talks about considering ourselves when we're even trying to help somebody in sin, that we're all weak after the flesh. We all can fall at any moment after the flesh. That's why we all Celeste, myself included, have to continually walk after the spirit so I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
Galatians chapter 5. Notice if I or you walk after the Spirit that we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It didn't say the flesh will quit lusting. Our flesh is no good. None of us are any good after the flesh. There's no good thing in us, that is to say our flesh, Romans 7, 18. So we all have the struggle in this life with sin. And because if we're honest like you are, Celeste, I, I just wish hundreds of thousands of people were listening to your call right now. Uh, your honesty inspires all of us that you're not calling here glorifying now sin. You're wanting to overcome it. And I guarantee you, a relationship with Jesus, not condemning yourself or beating yourself up is a key to overcoming any of the influences that have come into your life. And Jesus wants to teach you like he ha has taught me and is teaching me how to put guardrails up, how to, how to be in the world, but not of the world. So I just can't encourage you enough to, to, to get in the Word of God, develop your relationship with Jesus, strengthen your inner man, your spirit man, because that's the good part of you, Celeste. That, that's the godly part that is leading you in the path of righteousness. It's just your flesh that the devil is tempting, trying to draw you into the evil around you. So I believe you're an overcomer. You've made it two days calling. <laughs> I thank you for calling. Anything else? Uh, no, I just thank you. I, I had something else, but I, I had forgotten. But I, you know, I'm just thankful to even be listening to this and be alive today. So. Oh, you're beautiful. Your call is beautiful. I know you're an encouragement to more people than you know just by calling. So thank you for calling. It's going to be hard not to send you this book. I'm going to have to pray about not being biased to the air on the air callers. I appreciate you calling, Celeste. You're you're beautiful. All right, let's go to Shelly from Oklahoma. Thank you for calling, Shelly. What is your question, please? Yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call. First, absolutely. You, I think you're doing a great Aww. job hosting. Well, I like thank the way you. you end things, just like a radio personality. <laughs> I just wanted to kind of mention something. I know that uh, I believe that the Bible says, you know, whenever you are saved, that your spirit is sealed and Correct. that it that it doesn't sin. And my question or my statement or just your take kind of on, there, I, I believe there are people who they did get saved. They did give their life to the Lord. And as Celeste even was saying, sometimes you can feel like you're entangled in sin. And yes. sometimes they just feel that they, for whatever reason, they just, they never get out of it. They never yeah. get out of known yeah. habitual sin. And then they die. So what now? Well, what now for them? Yes, sir. Yeah, they certainly, they certainly go immediately into the presence of Jesus. Um, God doesn't grade again on a curve when it comes to sin and, and whether someone is deep into sin or shallow into sin. Sin is sin and uh, God is merciful. Our spirit is sealed. So what happens to a person like that is two, two things. Sin destroyed them in this life, their body, because sin and the consequences come into our bodies, uh, come into our mind, our soul. Our spirit is sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption. Our spirit is saved. Our spirit uh, is secure. 
And so what happens is sin in our life hurts us, it damages us, it shortens our lifespan in this earth, and it hurts other people. And so there is a degree of accountability uh, before Jesus for things done in the flesh, and then there's a judgment. There's 1 Corinthians chapter 3 deals with this judgment that you're talking about. What happens if a person is in sin, sin and Satan takes them out, they still go to the presence of the Lord, but all of those deeds in the flesh then are judged by fire and they actually built their house on wood, stay, uh, wood hay and stubble, uh, straw. And, and now they, they lose rewards in heaven, rewards that they would have had. I don't fully understand that. I'm not sure anybody really does, but they, they lose re rewards that they would have had for being gold and silver and precious stones, living a, a life that's pleasing to God by grace through faith. And so while there's a judgment, there's not a judgment for them whether they go to heaven or hell. That, that's, that's the judgment that the world will stand before. Once you become a Christian, you will give an account for the deeds done in your flesh, but those, that account is not to determine, did your good outweigh your bad? Are you going to go now to heaven or to hell? No, we're secure in Jesus as his children and through this new birth and born again spirit. But who wants to meet the Lord and have no gold, silver, or precious stones uh, that were a part of their life of grace and faith that brings rewards in the life to come. Um, most of you know, probably not most that are watching, that I personally died. I've died, and man, the Word of God is true. I was instantly in the presence of the Lord, and, and the love and the peace Jesus had for me cannot be, cannot be described. And, and I wasn't perfect. Maybe I wasn't in rebellion. Well, maybe. I know I wasn't in rebellion to God in any way. And I wasn't in some habitual sin cycle that in the past I have had to deal with. I think everybody does that's honest. Uh, but I wasn't perfect uh, after the flesh. And yet I experienced nothing but the love of God and the peace of God that passes all understanding when I went to heaven. So those people go to heaven, they give an account for those deeds done in the flesh. The fire of God's holiness and purity burns up all those works, dead works, the Bible calls them. Uh, and then they, their salvation is tried by that same fire. Did that help, Shelley? Yes, sir. I, I absolutely love that. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. You people are so precious. Uh, I've been called a lot of things. Even today, I was called not a prophet, and I'm okay with that. And now I've been called maybe a talk radio host. Maybe, man, maybe I've arrived. That's pretty awesome. Well, I want to encourage you. i got just a few minutes left. If you have been waiting to call, we've got an open line, and I'll take your call. Otherwise, we're winding down in our time and we're going to give away one free copy to uh, one of our on-air callers of Better Together, Building a Healthy Marriage. Better Together is a witnessing tool and an equipping tool for your children. Uh, you, can, you can either uh, go to my website to purchase Better Together, uh, pastordwayne.com, 
PastorDwayne.com, or you can call our ministry at area code 580-4040-376 and get a copy for yourself of Better Together. But again, we're going to give this to to one of our callers. Uh, One of our questions before I run out of time that was submitted is, are the congressional investigations helpful or hurtful to the political to the political environment. What a great question. Uh, This too is controversial. Um, I just want to encourage those on Capitol Hill that these particular investigations are very helpful because the national media will cover liberal politicians. They will uncover anyone that's not a liberal and they will cover for any liberal politician. They'll uncover people who disagree with them, i.e. Trump, i.e. the persecutions that even this ministry and myself have experienced because we don't buy into the woke movement or the liberal agenda. So they, they, they will uncover falsely those who disagree with them and those who are in lockstep with the liberal agenda, they'll cover up. Joe Biden is a very corrupt man, and I honor the position of president and the authority of president, but the occupant has been corrupt for decades, and they've covered his corruption, and the investigations are uncovering the corruption. This is what God told me in 2015, uh, was that not only would Trump be elected, but God would use him to uncover corruption. If corruption is not uncovered, how can we repent? There are Christians, and I'm running out of time, thank God, because there are Christians today that that don't want to hear about the corruption because they don't want to have to repent. Well, I really appreciate you watching. I appreciate Truth and Liberty for this opportunity, and I'll be back with you next week. Thanks again for being a part of Truth and Liberty. God bless you. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.